When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome to the Claret and Blue podcast, the first one in front of a live studio audience. Thank you very much for coming. Yourself a round of applause, first of all. Thank you. Uh, I'm your host, Dan Rosen. For this evening, I'm joined, uh, first of all, by Guillaume Balagay's new best friend, John Townley. John, <laughs> you, you okay? You nervous? I'm very nervous. It's yeah. nice to see so many faces, but yeah, I'm a bit shy today. So. Ash, friend of the Cameron Archer family, as we all know. <laughs> Craig, yeah. yeah. Is he all right, Cam? Cam's signed, his family's signed as well, yeah. All good, all good. You all right as well? Yeah, fine, mate, yeah. Loving it. Okay. In the corner, he's got a big bald head. He's kissed and made up with Martin O'Neill. It's uh, Matt Kendrick, Matt, are you all right? I'm all right. Yeah, I was nervous about tonight, but now me and Martin have got over our electrical storm. I can I can fight the world. To be honest, I can take anything on. I hope. So we're doing a kind of mid-season review. Obviously, the the World Cup break gives us the opportunity to kind of reflect on on what's been so far. I'm not going to talk too much about Stephen Gerrard's start because let's face it, it's pretty horrific. Um, let's rewind back to Bournemouth. John, you and me did the podcast after that game, and we were pretty angry I think it's fair to say I think I said Gerard was on thin ice which translation is I think he'll be sacked quite soon but I probably couldn't say that back then you were pretty angry as well yeah I'm sure everyone was in the room as well it was one of those where in the pre-season we all said Gerard will get his own players he has a full pre-season almost at the back end of last season even when we didn't get the results we wanted we lost to Watford didn't we we lost to different teams that we should have been beating but we gave him that leniency I thought because as I say, the pre-season, the players that he might bring in, but the Bournemouth form was a shocker. It was a real sort of eye-opener of, oh no, that's the problem. And it was a bit knee-jerk to be saying, I don't know, Gerard, you know, where's his future, blah, 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 because it's only the first game. But I think Villa fans, we all knew something wasn't right. Mm. And even to say, we'll go on to it the Everton game after we won, but we made hard work of it. But no, that Bournemouth game was a real, okay, that's an issue. And, you know, we had Carlos, Kamara, that was the whole team. It was, it was there. Um, so no real problem that was and yeah what, what came after wasn't a surprise to me given the benefit of the, day, the first game of the season okay but things didn't improve um and looking at what Unai's doing now it, the players are there there's a plan there now and hopefully we can k- kick on but yeah disastrous appointment looking back would you go as far to say disastrous Matt as well I don't know I got probably seduced quite early on as early on as, as Gerard's first press conference because I thought he spoke really, really well. I thought he was probably more respectful to Aston Villa in that press conference than he was for the rest of his reign. Uh, I thought he pitched it quite well in terms of the having respect for the stature of the club, um, having respect for the fact that Aston Villa had taken a chance on him because it was a chance. And even in his first couple of first couple of post-match press conferences, I thought he's saying the kind of he's seen the game that we've seen. Um, obviously, got the new manager bounce, and, and it looked to be exciting. But then it just it just started to unravel, and managers almost go through a kind of a set script, don't they? And you could just see that. And there was a couple of times where he, he threw players under the bus, and 
there just weren't any solutions and I'm just glad that it's that, that the rain ended in time that's given in enough time to give us some hope that we can not only survive this season but we can hopefully prosper and build something lasting rather than this chop chop change change mentality that we've had for, for, for too long Changing the captaincy as well was a thing that Joe kind of brought upon himself as a problem that probably didn't exist I mean we've got what 100 people in here tonight is there anyone with a, a show of hands that thought that was the right decision to change <laughs> Dorman yeah nobody what was the point of that um, John McGinn probably not the right choice either but you know, I'm not going to see him kind of hammer the players in the first half of the season but it's, it's a pointless kind of exercise of I'm going to make, put my stamp on it, but ultimately blew up in his face and became a bigger talking point than it needed to be. Yeah, there was, talk, there was uh, rumours beforehand, as Gerard was appointed, that he wanted to make the change then, uh, back in November. I think it was Gary McAllister that maybe said, no, wait, wait for the end of the season. And the question we kept asking him at the press conferences, who's going to be a captain, he made a decision yet, and he kept teasing so long, no, not made it yet. I just thought the timing of it, a um, week before the season, he could have nipped it in the bud, start of July, have a pre-season with McGinn as your man but um, looking back yeah it's not really a good call to be honest I think it's affected John as well um, with his performances and I think Tyrone's reacted really well to it hasn't he really he's been a standout this year so probably our best player so far yeah so yeah, yeah I mean looking back it probably worked in his favour has it I don't know <laughs> but um, yeah bad call really a bit naivety a bit naive from the, man the manager to, to do that but he wanted to do it his own way he, he chose John and his man and didn't really work. Yeah, I think it, I think it was just Gerard wanting to say, "I run this place here. I I decide who my captain is." And I think he probably, you know, I think I don't want us to write off McGinn yet. I think the, the, I think he's done enough for us. I'm not saying we 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 have keep keep players for sentimental reasons when we're trying to move forward, but I think McGinn's done enough to at least earn a fair crack under Emery, and I think he, he will get one. But I think it was. I think Gerard saw a little bit of himself in McGinn, mm -hmm. this kind of all-action leader. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, I think you know, people who have listened to the podcast. Thanks, by the way. Um, <laughs> people who have listened to the podcast will will know what I think of Tyra Mings, not only as a leader on the pitch, but as an ambassador away from away from the, the you know the pitch as well. Somebody who I like to have associated with our football club. Um, I don't think it was a decision that needed to be made. I'm still, you know, Ash would have better information than me because he's actually allowed down there um, <laughs> a little bit closer than I am nowadays. But I still wonder if it was Gerard trying to get Mings out of the football club uh, and wasn't able to quite force the issue. Uh, I'm glad that hasn't happened. I'm glad that it was Gerard who left the club before Tyrone and Mings had left the club. We'll kind of skip over the, the start of the season. I said no point going into it game by game, but I mean, August, Bob, that Bolton Cup game was pretty much a disaster all round. John, we were kind of preparing for this before we started, and you you went to the Arsenal game, I think, to cover it for us, and you were in the press conference for the first or second time of that season, of this season, and you said that was kind of the first time you, Gerald, kind of come across as yeah obviously Ash goes to most of the games I was at the West Ham game which was, I believe was the uh, third game maybe fourth game of the season yeah. fourth game after Palace uh, and in the Arsenal game as well he, he almost I don't know if it hit him that everything was going so badly wrong and he could be sacked it almost felt as if he was a bit immune to it in my opinion yeah. and the Arsenal game was tricky because it was almost like a free hit in a way because we were so close to getting a point against a team who is obviously now top of the league by you know a fair, a fair distance now um 
but he was visibly really annoyed after that game. And after the West Ham one, we just lost to a team who hadn't scored in the Premier League, let alone picked up a point. And he was almost taking questions and, you know, oh, we'll go to Arsenal, we'll give him a fair crack. But it was like, we've been shocking for the last four, uh, first four games of the season. Don't know if it hit him, mm. but then the Arsenal one, I think it did. And after that, it was, um, this will go on, it was back to basics against Man City, then Southampton, we got results, but... Again, at what cost? Where are we going? You know, so there was conversations after them, but particularly the Arsenal game for me was the most tipping point. We didn't, you know, play horrendous, but it was the the emotion after the game and the fans as well. You know, where are we going with this? It's is it too early to change? Probably not. It all fell apart. Fulham didn't. It? That was the one. But um, perhaps we've been relieved of duty sooner than that. Uh, yeah, I, I spent a lot of time with Stephen. He was. I got sucked into it as well. Okay, maybe we'll win one. We played well against Man City. Um, played well against Chelsea that first half, and yeah. I was kind of sucked into it as well. Be being around him so much and listening to him all the time. Um, You're friend of the family. Oh, was that then? Sorry, I'm gone. Gone. Put my hand up next time. Sorry, point of order. Sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, what I did say is a f- from a fan's perspective, I had my reporter hat on and. Mm. I couldn't be too strong on him. Maybe I should have done that, but looking back, yeah, it just was never going to work. And here we are. I don't think they were wrong to start the season with Gerard. We sat in the room, you know, kind of 20 yards from here or 20 yards, a bit further, a bit further. Uh, a long Matty Cash throw from, from here um, in the summer, in the summer, saying that it was, we still thought, even with, we probably expected more signings then, but with, with Kamara and Carlos, you go back through our, our trawl back through our predictions yeah. and okay we are naive and you don't come to us for insight but we thought that Villa would finish somewhere between 8th and 12th mm-hmm. so why would the why would the club necessarily make that change when they've got a fan base on strings that think we can that we can finish somewhere between 8th and 12th there was no long term plan was there yeah. it, it, the way I saw it was Gerard knew he was in trouble after the Arsenal game let's go back to basics got the point against City which is obviously good but then it was, let's get to this almost mini pre-season or whatever you want to call it now in the winter break uh, to save my job. And it's well, for the long-term ambition of Aston Villa to keep Gerard in a job and let him hone his playing style with Neil Critchley. I don't think that's for the benefit of Aston Villa long-term. I'm sure that's you guys fine. agree. Um, and obviously Michael Bill leaving in the summer wasn't brilliant, but I've I said it before, should a Premier League team or a club that's trying to get in European football appoint a manager who's said in an interview my number two is as important as me if not more important and he might leave at some point in the season you know <laughs> but give me the job it did, that didn't make sense to me at the start and that was always a worry um, and as we found out come the Arsenal game come Man City playing for base sorry back to basics playing for points up until that stage of the season that we're now in it's probably a good thing that we're not sucked into a position where we have now not, sorry now we've got Gerrard and Critchley trying to hone playing style it's just there's no I asked Gerard about Critchley previously as well and there was no sort of you want a proper answer and a proper oh here's what he's brought and instead it was very much just oh he's settled well and you you want want more than that because you say now we've got Emery in as your question was earlier Dan if that's the level we could attract it almost feels like we wasted a year for a project that's you know other people at the club wanted to pursue so maybe lessons learned as well. That's what we've probably got foul as, I suppose. Yeah, we talked a lot, didn't we, on the podcast about Arsenal and this comparison to Arteta, but that was a totally different you know, kettle of fish, really, and the, the more realistic kind of comparison was, was Newcastle. And, you know, what they did, appointing Eddie Howe was kind of a smart appointment, spent money, but not, you know, rashly. And they're bottom of the league, and then within a year, they're third mm. in the league or wherever they are now. 
that's the more realistic thing and that's what, kind of jumping ahead a little bit, that's what you want Emery to do. Not that we're as bad as Newcastle in terms of being bottom of the league, but we need that kind of level of improvement in 12, 12 months time. I want to be sat here doing another one of these in, in a year's time, talking about us improving a lot, not, oh, we've sacked yet another manager. 100%. The players are bought into it in Newcastle as well. I think in the changing room under Gerard, I think it was quite fractured, wasn't it? Mm. The Ming stuff and your son's not getting a, getting a kick. So, but, um, yeah, look, look what they're doing now, the reaction they've had in two weeks. Emery's been there, two yeah. weeks. Um, it's been incredible. The players are all loving it as well and they're buying into it straight away. So, yeah. He's, he's already working wonders already. Not specifically about Joe being sacked, because obviously we all know it was the right decision. But what was it kind of like for us, like, because we were doing the podcast together and you two were at Craven Cottage. So just talk us through that night for you two. Well, the, when the team sheet was announced, my cash was dropped on here as well, and it was just a mess from start to finish. Um, yeah, the statement dropped at quarter to 11, wasn't it? We we're, were on the tube, weren't we? Yeah, we were on the tube, yeah, yeah dashing round. Oh, they've done it. Um, no messing there from the owners. It just all turned, turned really ugly. The, the fans chanting towards him as well, and Jared not, not even acknowledging the fans, just walking off. I think he, he knew his days were numbered then. Um, yeah, it's very ugly scenes, you know. The right was on the wall. After that, there's no no coming back, given the performance we've seen there and, and the manner of it and the players, and yeah, not nice. It was, it was, it was the manner of it. everything that could go wrong did go wrong. That was the main point, and... We, you know, so we're just leaving before the end. Uh, I think we all know after that there's going to be a decision made, and how quickly we actually appointed Emery. I was a bit surprised at. Um, obviously, we keep things under wraps, which is probably a good thing. But there wasn't. There was obviously talks with Amarin for Sporting, and then Emery seemed to be in the background, didn't it? Almost as if he was being lined up. So yeah, yeah, we did that quickly, which is probably a good thing. We we bumped into a few people in the corporate, but me and Fuller sat next to Nasef. He said he he, he he wasn't happy at all. Um, so. And he made the call that night. We've reached the point. This is this is the point of no return. And you know, in the olden days, the, the evening mile would have cracked cracked the crest in half. It was that that <laughs> that kind of it, it, it was that it was that kind of crisis point. So as soon as as soon as you're cracking a crest, you know, I don't I don't write so much anymore. I spout spout my usual stuff on here, but I don't get to write so much. But when it's manager sacking time. <laughs> <laughs> normally kind of dig me back out again don't they so I kind of get get the quill back out and it was manager sacking time um, and we'd seen all the we'd seen all the build up to it we'd seen the the manager's demeanour in press conferences we'd, we'd, we'd seen um, the fan the, the away fans when the away fans turn to me that's the beast barometer we can see all the kind of noise and fallout on social media but it's difficult to judge, but when the away fans go, the away fans are sticking around in the pocket and travelling the length and breadth of the country all the time. You just know it just follows us. It just follows the follows the same pattern. So yeah, I think I, I wanted to finish, didn't I? I wanted to go and have a cup of tea or something or whatever. Whatever was I was doing. Feeling it was going to happen. Yeah, Dan was like, "Come on, you must have another must have another crap analogy about supermarkets or something." <laughs> so we kept stringing it along, and it was. It was like, how did we describe it? Lance in the boil, I think, or something like that. It was just a feeling that, thank it's God, over, it, really? thank God, yeah, we don't, we don't know what's coming next, but we know that we don't like that. Um, here we are again, investing all our hopes and all our expectations in the new guy. We're in the honeymoon period, we're all in love with him, and then, then he gets us knocked out of the cup, so we, you know, <laughs> we, have, we have our first tiff, but we're in that place again, aren't we now, where we just... If, if it can't be him, what you know? How many times we're we going to go through this through this cycle? It's, it's got to be him, done It really has. Obviously, it is Emery that we end up with, but we have that kind of managerial merry-go-round with Pochettino and Tuchel and Brendan Rodgers or whoever else. 
I think John, we, you made the podcast when he was announced on, on the evening of, I think, and you kind of said something like, it's the best case scenario we could have hoped for. You know, Emery, he was like the most realistic choice out of those. Yeah. And you were like the most excited I've ever seen you. <laughs> the best case scenario for me. I'm sure most people in the room would agree with that. I think, you know, you look at someone like Pochettino or Tuchel even, in my opinion, I he's in that elite bracket. You don't need to rank the one, two or three, but he's there on his CV, what he's done in the game. If what you have to rank him, where do you go? Number one. <laughs> uh, for what he's done in the game, for his CV, for the clubs he's worked at as well. He doesn't, he doesn't come across to me anyway as someone who would do two good years at Villa and all of a sudden... Tottenham want Emery. I don't think he'd necessarily jump ship or how he might think about it, but he's not that sort. Do you know what I mean? I Whereas know. other one, other the, those are the managers who have, you know, I know Emery's done PSG and Arsenal, but his best experiences in football have been with a Sevilla and Villarreal. And I'm not saying we're, you know, we're a club that wants to be in that level in terms of Europe. And I feel like he can bring that, and obviously he's done it before. And it just, it's like a marriage that should work and you know, touch what it will. But everything there is made for it to happen. I feel like we've got everything as a club at the moment. The fan base, the away following, that's showed in the last couple of weeks. The academy setup's working. We've even got a new badge next year. The one thing we haven't had is that elite, genuine elite manager for the past 10 years and no criticism to any manager that we've had in, in that time. But Chris having the, but having that CV that he's got and where we are as a club at the moment, he just seems like the guy that can bring it forward. And that's not based off the last two results or the last three performances or whatever. I'm sure everyone will say, he is you know, the calibre that we couldn't have got in the past 10 years. Mm-hmm. And now that we've got him, it really, as Matt says, if it's not now, I don't know when it is. Mm-hmm. You know? We rarely see Nassif in the public domain, but he made a point to the fans, to the club. He's my man. He's going to transform us. And so far it's working. So he went out to get him. Yeah, very, very, very quick appointment, wasn't it? Come out of the blue, uh, sounded him out and got it done. So no messing from the owners who have been brilliant, haven't they? I mentioned the podcast with the Guillaume Balagay that you did at the start. And I said... You, know, you were buzzing when Emery was appointed. I think you were, went up another level after that, that Guillaume Balagay interview. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was the, kind of ma- the, the key takeaway from that for you? I think the key takeaway is, obviously, Guillaume himself, I don't know if everyone's watched the podcast, if you haven't, please do, a <laughs> uh, little plug. He knows him really well, and the main thing that he said to him, that to us, sorry, was it's his personality, his characteristics. At Arsenal, he felt as if it didn't work because he didn't almost have, he didn't, sort of, he didn't really get the promises that Arsenal you know, gave him and he needs something to build. And if fans see something that's like, oh, why has he done that? Why has he subbed that player? Or why is he not playing this one? Um, just go with it, give him that pay. You know, we need to, as fans, be patient. And we probably said this about Gerard, right? <laughs> but again, this is someone who has a CV that we haven't seen before at Villa Park for you know, donkey's years. So he's got everything. We need to give him that, that time and enough, you know, whether it's money or whatever it is, to make him build something. Because again, if he can't, I don't know who it is. I don't know the answer. But Guillaume was, um, yeah, it's his, it's his tactics, his personality, how he engages with players. He can speak five languages. It, everything's there. You know, I can't speak highly enough of the appointment itself and Emery as a, as a coach and manager and his backroom team as well. All the analysis and statistics that they use, coming down at half-time, showing videos to players and saying he needs to be doing this. We'll go on to it, but like the Man United one, for example, with 2-1 down. United score a goal in half-time. The classic thing for Villa to do is lose that game 3-2. Yeah. But what do they do? The stats guys come down at half-time. Here's what we need to do in the second half. First thing Leon Bailey does is have a shot. Second thing we do is Jacob Ramsey scores and the game's won. Against yeah. Man United, we haven't done that for 25 years. That's the difference and that's an Emery's first game. So we're already seeing the benefits of his appointment. But yeah, really um, really bright future if he can just say, be given that patience and fans, 
we, we can always get on someone's back because we're football fans we pay hard we pay a lot of money uh, you know to support the club but let's be patient with it let's back his decisions and I don't think we can go far wrong with that I don't want to mention the Aaron Danks kind of era too much because obviously it's before Emery but we have the highs of Brentford and then the lows of Newcastle and that kind of again reinforces that point of oh my god look how far Newcastle have gone up what the hell um, but yeah it's, it's important if you do get the important right and John you just made a great case for Emery you can it should work and we've talked a lot about like oh, this could be the one if you if you as a player take on board what he tells you you should improve so like I said I want to be sitting here in 12 months time talking about how far we've progressed already and I just hope it's not this kind of new manager balance that we're all getting carried away with on the Aaron Dank stuff it must be one of the happiest afternoons down there for a long while wasn't yeah, it yeah. that 4-0 Brentford um and backing up again with the Man- Manchester United result because Villa Park has been a happy place for a long time. Even you didn't you didn't like going down, did you? Under oh, Gerard. Don't, don't remember the but, but yeah, we talked about the podcast. <laughs> the connection as well. and stuff. Being a slog. So, oh, yeah, I've got Villa on Sunday. I've got to work my weekend around that, and now it's like oh, Villa in three weeks. I can't wait to get back. That's what it's about, isn't it? And that's what Unai's bringing. The players are buying into it. The fans are. And hopefully we're on that upward, upward curve now. But on about like me and you, like the grumpy, I don't know what they're called. Is it Statler and Waldorf in the in the Muppets, the two old men in the box who just moan, moan relentlessly, entertain us, that kind of stuff. I, I can't wait till Boxing Day. And it's not because I'm going to get me Mr. T doll or whatever. <laughs> it's because watching Villa, going back to Villa Park, is now an exciting prospect again. Um, you know, I, I don't know, we'd take a straw pile in the room. I'm, I'm club club over country all the time. But the fact that he's been able to... And listen, we could end up with egg on our face. It could all, all go to and we could be moaning again and ushering him out the door and bringing the next one in. But the fact that he's been able to, to do that so quickly in a season that was, was lacking direction. I've said this before and I've said this to, to many people I've bumped into and bore with, with Aston Villa p- opinions in over the last few weeks that... I'm convinced that three... He's got a four and a half year contract, is that right? Four, yeah. Four, I'm convinced that three years from now, if we're able to kind of roll with those punches and kind of weather the storm of, like I say, getting knocked out of the cup the other week, that was a big setback when we don't have many opportunities to actually go and win something. If we can trust him, and it's really hard, it's really hard as a fan base, it's really hard as a, as a board and as a football club. If we can trust him, I'm convinced we'll be in a better place in terms of league position and we'll be a bit better place in terms of the, the future and the, the infrastructure of our club. But it's a massive leap of faith because we've been sold this dream. Let's just, we've got two months without being beaten, haven't we? So let's, let's, just, let's, just, let's just enjoy the next two months and then see what, see what they deliver in the, in the new year. On the press conference, Ash, what was it actually like against another new manager for you to meet? You know, what is he like kind of away from the cameras kind of thing? It was exactly the same. It was in the, the director's suite in the Trinity Road stand. That, yeah, not even a year since, since Gerard's one. Um, all Uno's family was there as well. He, his, his son was there, his brother. Um, but yeah, he spoke well, wasn't it? Really, the key takeaway from that we, did, we didn't hear too much from Christian Perslow. Whereas the Gerard one, it was very. Oh, I loved it. He, it? Yeah, he, he was very up for that one. Whereas this time, he played more of a back seat with that one, given it is Nassif's appointment. So, but yeah, in general, Uno understood me, which is a, which was, I didn't, <laughs> didn't expect That's at all. Start, I, I spoke yeah. really slow, but he, yeah, he got he got he, he got me an answer and. Um, so I was buzzing with that. That was my takeaway. That's my little win. Um, Say what? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was fine. Give you all the answers he needed, really. Um, but yeah, he was very similar to last year's. Although this time, Christian didn't say too much. 
Fast forward to Man, uh, Man United a little bit, kind of getting rid of that hoodoo again. We've talked about it every year, we've done the podcast. Oh, Man United at home, is this fine? The year we do it, you and me, John, weren't even born the last time. We beat Man United, me, just about, you definitely not. Uh, but nice to just get that record out of the way, isn't it? It's first game. I think Matt used on, on a show that I'm almost kind of willing to write off the first three games of Emery's era because it's a difficult start and kind of give him this break and then we'll see where we are in the new year. But a good start, wasn't it? From yeah, I was prepared to write off the first three games till we had that capitulation at Old Trafford. It was my son's first proper away match, so uh, I won't forgive you for that, Unai, unless you uh, unless you bring us some silverware in European football quickly. But now it was it was not just. I think I might have been might have been speaking to you, you, you Ash, or speaking to uh, to Dan's dad earlier, and he. he it was more from the United game for me. It was more than a, a new manager bounce. It was a, a very quickly assembled but very well followed strategy. Um, you know, hearts hearts have been in the mouth in terms of the way he wants to build up so patiently from the back. We've already seen a couple of times <laughs> at Brighton in the first couple of minutes at the weekend at Old Trafford. There's a couple of times where Robin Olsen's probably um, not not booked his place in the in the Aston Villa Hall of Fame, but he's backed the players he's seen enough in those players to say this is the way we're going to play and it's going to be it's going to be tense at times but we're going to do it we're going to be patient you know it might not be the most scintillating football at times and we've been warned this from from you know pundits and other fans that it's not going to Emery Ball's not going to be the most exciting football I'm really not that fussed about exciting football I want to see winning football I want to I want to turn up at Villa Park old man alert I want I used to go to Villa Park in the 90s every week thinking that we would win regardless of who we played and I know we're not going to win and I knew then we weren't going to win every single week but if we can go to Villa Park and think that we're going to be competitive and if that means that he plays this patient style of football that he's almost kind of just lulling teams in before bang you pick your opportunity and then you go and you go and kind of make the most of that I'm all for it and I think for him to do that with the language barrier which I think has probably been overinflated because I think the bits of communication that I've seen from him have been good I, I work with Ashley Priest, so I know it's not, you know, English is not always that easy. Um, but for him to do that and to communicate that message so quickly and for us to see the fruits of it so quickly, it's encouraging. And we have so many times we're so fed up and so negative and so pessimistic and so cynical, me and you, most of our conversations, that let's just enjoy this little bit of, you know, we've got somebody now who his CV says he can go and deliver good things. Let's just try and try and, like John says, be patient and see what he can do. Six points out of six against two very good teams, two teams in the top six before we played them at least. Um, and as Matt says, but he's doing that in the Emery way already. He isn't just playing to. He hasn't. We, we haven't beaten Man United through luck. We've beaten three-one through a well a well executed game plan. Brighton was the same, and yes, it wasn't uh, particularly pretty in the last forty minutes. Um, but that's what we had to do to get the points. We're now twelfth. Where are we? Three points out of Europe. That's, imagine saying that a couple of weeks ago. Calm down, John. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, but he's, doing it, he's doing it his way already. Like, yes, we have to play out from the back and we are making a couple of mistakes, but you've got to roll, you've got, you've got to roll with it. And where are we going to be in a couple of years if we're not trying to implement that style already? Yeah. You have to do it from day one, and we're not just trying to beat Man United and focusing on their left back, let's target that and you know, sit back and whatever. No, we'll, we'll play our way, and we've got six points out of it, and we're not going to win every game. But if we can play his style, implement his own you know, philosophy, bring in his own players, if he has to develop the ones that we've already got, as he's made you know, countless points about that already, 
just quickly, I'm glad that he hasn't said, oh yeah, I want to bring in this player. I'm not saying Gerard did do that, but I wasn't particularly pleased in his first press conference when he was saying, yeah, we're going to, in January, do this, I'm going to be backed, blah, blah, blah. Emery said the opposite. We've got a good squad. I want to develop these players because we've spent, where are we, 400 million yeah. since we got promoted. That's a lot of money. And to get where, 14th or 12th or wherever's the best finish so far. So, yeah, it's looking good, but we need, say, patience, and I think we'll get there. But yeah, it's a um, positive start. And I'm glad that, say, we played the Emery way already. We've done the four triple two and whatever it is out of, you know, out of possession or whatever. But yeah, it's, um, it's not just six points. It was the way that we played that I was really impressed with. And yeah, we've made mistakes, but how are we supposed to learn if we don't try from the start? Yeah. There needs to come a point. We can't just, in the six-week break, train in his system or whatever it may be. You need to play competitive games. And we've already got that monkey off the back of no away win, beating Man United. Yeah, come from Those behind. Are, yeah, come from behind. I haven't done that since, what was the start? May 21, I think it was, against Tottenham. So those are already two you know, big things that we've achieved if you will, against two very good teams. Brighton have won the last three games as well, haven't they? So, um, yeah, really positive start. So next up is getting rid of the, the trophy drought. It's been 26, 27 years as well. I said I'd gloss over the Carabao Cup, but I'll mention it briefly. Matt, in the pre-season one we did, I think you said we'll win the FA Cup this year, which I mean, we still might, we're still in it at least for now. Um, not, the, not this year, next but, year. But how annoying was that Cup exit for you? So you were there as well. I don't know, it's probably revert to the phrase that, that Martin O'Neill, the, the, the Monday morning quarterback, being wise after the event. Being wise after the event, a full-strength Villa team would probably have gone and won yeah. that match, but we decided not to play a full-strength full Villa team. It was probably probably an impossible dream, wasn't it, to expect us to beat United home and away within within a week. The game was there for the taking, but like John, John alluded to, Henry wants to play a certain way, and whether you're a regular first team starter said before Martinez with the exception of uh, the first couple of minutes at Brighton his distribution is normally bang on he expects Robin Olsen to come in and play exactly the same way I think that's hard when you when you rusty because you've not played much first team football and you're playing at Old Trafford albeit what a crap place that is in terms of atmosphere it, I know it's not an exclusive but it's <laughs> such a dead dead place but you're playing at Old Trafford against a strong Manchester United team and you're a, a rusty reserve team player who's got to come in and play that way yeah. straight from straight from straight from minute one um, I think it was a missed opportunity but I think like I said we're going to get these bumps in the road trust him because he's got a fairly good cup pedigree he's probably going to have to have a good good cup pedigree because when the FA Cup draw comes on we're going to be drawn away to Manchester United again <laughs> so he's got a chance to try and got a chance to rectify it but he's given us a little bit of belief back so as much as I'm gutted really really gutted that one of two opportunities to win something has gone again for the greater good I think we, I think we'll get there with him we did use it as not that we need any more sticks to beat Gerard with in the end because the football and the results were enough but we used it as a stick to beat Gerard with the fact that he wasn't acknowledging the fans and, and that kind of thing I wonder whether Emery has had the message that you know, what I found interesting is we were kind of all moaning about Gerard disappear, disappearing down the tunnel but Emery disappears every win, lose or draw which at least is consistent um, and I think he wants his players when, when we've won to take the acclaim uh, so I don't think when we've lost and he disappears down the tunnel I don't think that's him hiding um, but yeah I don't, I don't know I think I'm very very appreciative that when he does come out he, he, he says he said it at Old Trafford he said it um, at the weekend at Brighton that they gave us energy and I think that's what that's 
that to me is the essence of, of being a football fan that it becomes a mutual kind of appreciation society I don't think we had that with the previous man I think these signs that we are going to get it with this current man I feel like he just has no ego and I'm not saying Gerard did but if you're winning against Man United at home in your first game you've got every right to run at the whole end and give it a big you know a Jurgen Klopp sort of style he doesn't need to straight down the tunnel let's debrief the players on, on, on what we did well and what we did wrong and that's that's so refreshing um, I don't think we'll see him kind of run on the pitch at all and sort of praise the fans he does it as you say he does it in the post-match presser it just yeah he comes across as a man of sort of, sort of simple taste or whatever it may be he does his does his job and really kind of goes fun. home yeah almost like that sort of Bielsa sort of style I don't know in, in, in a very different way at the same time he, you know coaches his team and I think the players have got a week off this week yeah. Emery probably doesn't have a week off he's probably working 24-7 on the next game and what comes next and here's, here's the drills that we're going to be planning so yeah he seems to be like a workaholic and someone that really you know takes everything into the club he's absorbing everything but he doesn't need to you know, go to the fans after the game, and even though he could, and he'd get a great reception, you know, back. Um, but no, there's nothing in it in terms of, you know, yeah. Just in terms of the formations and the uh, style of play and stuff like that, I know you've talked a lot about it in the past, John, but it's not even like rocket science, is it? The stuff he's doing so far, just like simple tweaks, playing your players in the right positions. Like, who'd have thought that would work? The formation is playing at the moment. It's far too simple just to say four, two, two, two. Although that's how it looks on paper. Um, it's, it's strange because under Gerard, I'm not trying to com, you know, always compare to Gerard, but hell, that was who he took over from. Um, it was almost like, I can't see what we're trying to do. But under Emery, it's also, I can't quite see what, he's, what we've got because it's so complex in a way. It's almost, you know, it's almost like two, two different extremes and it works so well because out of possession, we're sometimes a five, four, one, or it's a low block and it's a high. We played really high against Man United, yeah. didn't we? Um, but it seems to work really well for McGinn because he has shackles off. Danny Ings has played in that system with Southampton. Yeah. Ollie Watkins doesn't have that burden of being the only striker. Uh, Buendia as well doesn't have to sit on the wing all game. It, it just works. And against Man United, like Bailey combining with Ramsey, it seems so easy in, in our heads. But I'm sure on the training pitch, it's so much more complex and there's so many more intricacies that we can't appreciate as just football fans. Um, but no, yeah, I, everything that he's done so far. I mean, we, when we appointed him, it was, oh, it's a 4 3 one because that's what we did well against Brentford and he played that win, win Sevilla. Um, but no, it's a 4 2 at the moment anyway from what he did with Villarreal. But he's an elite coach. He can change and adapt to the given situation and on the ball, off the ball. It's going to be so sort of fascinating to see. I, I think I said to Ash, on every press conference, it's going to be interesting. To, you feel like you might learn something. Yeah, playing with more patience now. The players are trusting it. He's kicking every ball as well. Uno on the touchline, you'll see him play that one, play that one. So he's guiding them. Whereas Gerard didn't really do that with these players either. So, yeah, like I said, the players are absolutely loving it. And yeah, the, the style, we're all seeing it. There's a plan now. Whereas before there wasn't. It was, it was hectic. It was, they, weren't playing, they weren't playing. So now it's just great to see. Just on the um, on the tactics, John. Do you think that he's a manager who would, after doing something that's effective or, or doesn't work, do you think he's a manager who would actually receive a question on tactics and not see it as an insult or a slight? Because that's something that I've found in my many different relationships with managers that you're only asking for information to try and explain to yourself and to explain to, to fans and readers why something's done a certain way but managers almost see it as a kind of as a, as a loaded bullet that yeah. what you're getting at what you're saying but do you think that Emery would, would welcome that question and explain I do firstly because 
he seems to live it. He loves his tactics. He loves his systems. He almost wants to express what he's been telling people on the training pitch. He's not trying to hide it because he's so elite. It's almost as if, you know, I, I know I can better the manager that I'm against. Yeah. So I'm not giving away any secrets. But also in the Guillaume Balaga interview we did, um, one of the first things that he mentioned was about exactly what you've just said. If the fans aren't sure or, you know, or if the journalists don't know exactly what's happening, ask him because he will tell you. And, you know, again, his English isn't, 100% brilliant that we'll understand absolutely everything that he's saying and it's again it's so intricate his systems and every detail that he puts into the team we might not understand it as well but it just gives you that little insight that we might not have had previously um, and as Matt says a lot of managers will just keep that as a almost like a as you say what are you trying to get at but with Emery it does it seems like he wants to you know say not necessarily teach the fans what he's doing but the way that he approaches it with the players you must feel like he wants to you know give you say tell everyone his secrets I suppose because you say he's, he's that level of manager actually talked about him kind of kicking every ball I think we did a post uh, like a Facebook post I call him like the conductor or something like that he's got his orchestra and he'll, he'll instruct everything um, whether it's actually doing anything whether the players are actually looking at it as a fan I look at that and go he's at least he's involved at least he's getting involved I'd prefer that to panning to Stephen Gerrard sat with his arm thinking he do not know what he's doing yeah, exactly. And like you say, we've seen it now in the two games, the two wins he's had. The players are really, really enjoying playing for him. Um, there's a, like I say, there's, there's an identity now, whereas before there wasn't. So, yeah, I mean, the, the players, it's like a, a education for them. They're learning every day. They're taking a lot of information on board. There's long, long um, tactical meetings in Bodymore Heath, but they're all buying into it and. We're seeing the fruits of that success now, straight away. I think finishing the top half has to be the aim. And again, in the future, that we want to be more than that. But let's take it one step at a time. I think we're, again, there's so much traffic ahead of us, even though we are close to even sixth. But we have to limit those expectations at the moment. We can't be, you know, even next season, we can't be saying, all right, let's try and get Europe. Like, yeah, that can be the aim. But if we don't, it's the top six plus Newcastle at the moment. It's so difficult to get anywhere near it. You know, Chelsea is slipping up this season, but I don't think they'll be finishing eighth. They'll probably finish, you know, top six at least. So yeah, this season can we finish top ten? Because beyond uh, that pack of top six plus Newcastle, who's who's better than us? Brighton potentially. We've beaten them. Fulham played us off the park, but <laughs> come on. And then uh, <laughs> who else? West Ham haven't had a bad, haven't had a great season, and Leicester were bottom at some stage, and now they're around where we are. So it's a really tight league. I feel like the second half of the season is almost the start of the season, but have you got a bit of an advantage almost? You know, because it's so tight. So yeah, top half for me is what we can achieve for sure, and also what the aim should be. If we can finish tenth, we haven't done that since is it 2011? I think it is now. So that's over when we finish next season that'll be over what 10 years so yeah top half an FA Cup cut run would be really good because I don't want to sort of put down on it but I do believe that Carabao Cup was probably the best chance we're going to uh, to win a still cup still about that. I am because <laughs> especially if the draw as well City and Liverpool playing each other but it's Man United and Newcastle and Man City there's three teams there and if we beat United it would just be Newcastle and City left which is really it's grinding my gears but yeah an FA Cup run in top 10 would be a really yeah solid season considering where we come from yeah I totally agree with John yeah top 10's got to be the aim and a cup run just there hopefully a decent draw this time a cracking atmosphere at Villa Park every week a few new chants a um, bit of excitement and my son only wanting one burger rather than two burgers <laughs> <laughs> that would do me to be honest uh, we're going to kind of call it a day there for the first half of the podcast. We're going to have a little break for 15, 20 minutes, get some raffle tickets. My mum is selling them over here, so it'd be nice. We haven't run out of the tickets, so they're just on scraps of paper now. 
So Raffertix over there, there's loads of prizes which we'll get to in the second half of the show. Uh, we'll do a Q&A session next with the guys in here as well. So uh, yeah, thanks for watching this first bit if you're watching on the YouTube version. And uh, yeah, we'll be back in about 15 minutes. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue and Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your thoughts and comments. We'll be back soon with another episode. But until then, up the villa. Up the villa.